This is, uh, I guess you could say, part two from last week's message. We didn't finish last week. We're in verses 1 through 21. And last week, uh, we had a message uh, titled, uh, Why Do You Listen to Him? Because that's what they said. Why do you listen to Him? The, 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 the Jews, the people who didn't believe in Jesus, why do you, why do you listen to Him? And, uh, and that's why we titled it, because we looked into Jesus as the true shepherd, Jesus as the good shepherd. And we also looked into ways uh, that uh, there is not a true shepherd. So we looked at the sheepfold, we looked at the sheep, and we looked at the shepherd, and we got a good understanding on all of that and of who God was. And he clearly said in verse 1 of chapter 10 that uh, um, the one who doesn't enter through the door is a thief and a robber. And so... Basically, what we extracted out of that is that today there's many ways that people say you can come to Christ. There's a lot of ways that people say you can go to heaven. But Jesus said, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. And no one goes to the Father except through me, right? And so we know that. It's clear. Uh, there's nothing we can do. We can't be good enough. Uh, you know, there, it's, it's all because of the grace of God and our faith, right? And so it's not of works. It's not of anything like that. And so we, it, it's, uh, it's imperative that we understand that because if we don't, then we cannot obtain that salvific faith that's going to get us there. And so, uh, just to refresh our memories, I'm going to go ahead and read these verses once again so we can get back in tune with it. So we'll start in chapter 10, verse one. And it says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by them. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. 
Therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, He has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Father, again, we ask you this morning to speak to our hearts, God, in a way that only you can, as our dependence is upon you. Amen. So again, last year, we saw the sheep, the shepherd, the sheepfold, the good shepherd. We saw the good side of Jesus and how he calls us. He says the doorkeeper opens up the door. That's God. God opens up the door. Jesus calls us by name. And we hear his voice and we follow and he goes before us. Therefore, saying wherever we go in life, he goes before us. It's nothing new. It's nothing fresh. That's why the Bible says that our footsteps are ordained by the Lord because he's gone before us already. Any path that we go through, he's gone there before us um, to make sure that we are well. And he says, my sheep know me and I am known by them. And that's an important phrase because you take other gods uh, such as Allah or Buddha, or you name it, Zoroaster, and all these other gods, they're actually gods that cannot be known. As a matter of fact, the god Allah is a god that they say cannot be known. And so you wonder, well, then how can someone be personal with him? And see, it is because all those other religions are based off of works. You got to do something good in order to get to heaven. Christianity is the only religion out there that you cannot do anything good. All you have to do is put your faith and trust upon Jesus and repentance and you're saved. There's nothing that we can do. And so that's the big difference between all of these other religions. So he says, my sheep, they, uh, I know them and I'm also known by them. So we know him. That's the goal is to get to know him. We understand his voice. Well, at the end, there was division. There was a schism. Much like today, there's a lot of schisms, uh, churches, denominations, and they split and believers because they're believing this and they're believing that and they don't agree. And so there was a schism. And some of them said, why do you even listen to him? He's mad and he has a demon. Right. Well, other ones that were wise said, these aren't the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of, a, of the blind? Can a demon raise people from the dead? Can a demon open up deaf ears? Can a demon restore a marriage? Or can a demon uh, get a person who's been lost, be it on drugs or alcohol, and bring them into the arms of God to find everlasting freedom? Can a demon do that? That's what the wise person says. Absolutely not. He has the words to everlasting life. That's Jesus Christ. But the people who don't know him say, why do you listen to him? Well, we listen because verse 4 says that uh, we as his sheep, we know his voice. We know it, we, we understand it, we perceive it. How? By giving our full attention to Him, by turning and listening. Remember last week I talked about uh, if anyone had the privilege of ever being incarcerated, right? You're laying in that dorm and you're waiting either because you want to get out, or you're waiting for the judge, whatever it is, and all of a sudden you start to hear the sound of keys coming down and the person who pays attention, all heads rise up. They're laid down. Now they pick up their heads and they're waiting for someone to open the door and the jailer opens the door and he's going to call someone by their last name. And I'll tell you what, that person isn't going to deny and say, nah, I don't want to go right now. 
They're going to jump up off that bed and they're going to go because that means you're either going to go see the judge or it's time to go. Well, it's the same thing when Jesus calls us. He calls you by name. He brings the keys to freedom from the bondage that we're living in, whatever it is, right? We can fill in the blank. And he opens up that door. God opens the door and Jesus calls us by name and he bids us to come. And now it's up to us to say, yes, Lord, and to follow him the same way that he called the disciples when he said, follow me. And so we recognize his voice. Uh, this word for voice means that, it, you know, it's a tone. It's a sound, right? Again, we can hear the keys, uh, the sound of keys. And we recognize, I know what that is. That's keys. And, and they're coming. And so we start to understand and to perceive the same way that we talk to somebody on the phone. We don't have to see their face, but you know if you're talking to your mom or your dad or your brother or your wife or your husband, no one can say, hey, it's me, it's your husband. But you say, no, that's, th th this is a different voice. And so you cannot be deceived. And that's important for us to know because as sheep of Jesus Christ, truly regenerated Christians, we hear his voice, we understand his voice, and so because of it, we follow and we obey what he says. This is, a, this is a real important thing that, that we understand because there's some that say, well, I, I, you know, yeah, I know the Bible says this, but uh, I, I fall short every day. We all fall short of God's glory. Okay, again, using scripture for our advantage. And, you know, th the truth is, though, that if we're God's sheep, we're going to hear him because we trust in him and we know that he knows what's better for us. And we're going to do that which we should or we're not going to do that which we should not. So it's not a simply hearing. Have you ever talked to one of your kids and you say, are you hearing me or are you listening to me? This is a listening. It's not just a hearing like come in here and out there, but it is a listening. It's full attention and consideration. The word actually means uh, to be an audience. You know, like in a movie theater, you're there, your eyes are big, your mouth is maybe sometimes open and you're just gazed at the screen and you're paying attention. That's what we do with Jesus. I'm listening, Lord. What is it that you would have me do in this situation? So this listening comes through trust and obedience. Okay? Because there's a lot of Christians that are living a disobedient lifestyle. What God wouldn't expect from us. Okay? This isn't the type of of message that you're really going to get on just any given Sunday at any given um, four walls, behind the four walls. Okay, it's not the popular message, but that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at the flip side of John 10, chapters or verses 1 through 21. We saw the Good Shepherd, but now we're going to look at the other side, the flip side. But before I move on to that, there's four more things that I wanted to bring up about sheep, right? Because we learned some about sheep. Uh, last week that was pretty interesting. Uh, I learned for one thing that uh, they're not necessarily foolish, gullible, or as bad as the word sounds, they're not stupid. Uh, they're very smart. And so uh, that I was brought into correction last week as I was looking deeper into the whole matter. But there's four things that I want us to observe from sheep because we saw Psalm 23 last week when he says that he makes me to lie down in green pastures, right? And we all have heard that scripture. It's, it's uh, quoted a lot at funerals, but he makes me. He doesn't suggest, he doesn't ask us, do we feel like laying down? But it says he makes me to lie down in green pastures. 
But there's four things I want us to notice that have to happen before a sheep will be able to comfortably lie down in green pastures. They won't just go lay. Four things have to be happening in their surroundings in the atmosphere. And the, the first of it is they have to be free of fear. Because if they have fear, they will not be able to lie down because uh, they're, they're going to be uneasy. So they're going to be walking back and forth, pacing because of this fear. And the same way for us as Christians, that's why I constantly from the Old Testament to the New, the Bible tells us not to fear, but to be courageous, to trust in God. Right. And uh, the Apostle John said that perfect love casts out all fear. Well, that perfect love is Jesus Christ. And when we embrace him, he casts out that fear. Well, when we can overcome that, now we're better on our way to lie down in that green pasture. Number two is they have to be free from friction. So if there's, I guess, uh, for lack of better word, beef among the flock, there's two of them that are beefing, they're not going to lay down because this one's going to see what that one's doing. Uh, and the other one's watching, well, where's he at? There's friction. And that is the same way for us as Christians. The Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that we are to come together to have the same mind, to be of one accord, that there would be no disputing, there would be no divisions, no schisms. And so when we seek to, that, that God would cause us to lie down in green pastures, there's another thing that we want to come a, uh, alongside the body of Christ and uh, come together as one rather than having friction. The other third one is to be free from hunger. Because, of course, how are they going to lie down if they're hungry? Instead, they're going to be seeking grass so that they can graze upon. And so they need to be free from hunger. So God makes sure, the shepherd makes sure that they eat and they are plentiful. And the Bible would say it like this, that they're uh, fattened up. And so then, then I, I'm full. I need nothing. And the same thing goes for us. God brings us to a place in our life as sheep that we're content no matter where we're at. If I have a little bit, if I have a lot, uh, he is my food. He is my water. I need nothing. As a matter of fact, the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what want. Right. And so then, OK, that's the third one. The number four is that they have to be free from pests in order to be able to lie down in those green pastures. Now, this is important. Because, I mean, a pest, we're talking like flies, we're talking the gnats, we're talking about all kinds of other ones. But with sheep, there is one particular insect, one pest that actually embeds itself in the noses of sheep. And it gets underneath their skin and it causes so much trouble that uh, as it starts to dig in deeper, these sheep are trying like crazy to try and get rid of it, that uh, they'll begin to go to the point of ramming trees, trying to get rid of this itch and get rid of this pest that is bothering them. And sometimes they get so violently in trying to do that, that they end up killing themselves. OK, but a good shepherd recognizes what's going on. And when the shepherd recognizes it, he grabs that sheep as painful as the next process are, is going to be. But he grabs it. He takes it to, to an area where he can then tend to it. He grabs a very sharp instrument and he, and he proceeds to cut the nose of this sheep open as it's screaming. It is yelling. It's painful. Right. 
Does it seem familiar? Like sometimes when God allows us to go through certain situations and it's painful and it hurts and we're saying, why God, why? But see, this shepherd doesn't mean harm to the sheep, but he has its best interest in mind because he knows if this insect stays, he's gonna, it's going to drive him mad. He's going to kill himself. He's going to end up dying. But he digs as deep as he can and he finds that insect and he pulls it back out. And then he covers up the wound and he releases the sheep back into the flock. And that's what God does with us. Sometimes he has to cut our hearts open. He has to allow us to be cut through the heart. Maybe it's something that we call conviction by something that we're doing. Maybe by like a man or a woman in our life that shouldn't be there. So God just allows us to be cut to the heart so that he can go in there and remove that man or that woman. And so then he begins to heal us. It's for our own good because he knows what is good for us. That is his sheep, right? And those four things have to happen or that sheep will not lie down comfortably in green grass to graze. And those things, I think we can all agree this morning, have to happen in our life or we won't be still long enough to allow God to cause us to graze on that green pasture that we're all looking for. We're all seeking after that. And another trait from sheep is that when they become thirsty, if there's not a shepherd to guide them, they'll start to drink out of dirty, muddy puddles of water, which is not healthy because there is disease there. So the shepherd will always lead them beside these still waters that Psalm 23 talks about so that they can drink of the good, refreshing water. And that's the same thing that Jesus does with us, right? We read uh, earlier in John where he said those who believe upon me out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. He told the woman at the well, if you drink of the water that I have to give you, you'll never thirst again. Okay, this is uh, it's it's a it's a simile, right? Uh, a similarity in the scriptures between sheep and who we are and who we should be if we are God's sheep. So we as God's sheep listen because his Holy Spirit within us gives us assurance. I trust you, God. I believe you, God. No matter how difficult this situation may seem, I'm going to follow you. You call my name, you lead me, and I will follow you, God. And he says in verse 5, Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So the true sheep, the true body of Christ, the true people of God, they will not, by no means, not maybe, not sometimes, not if, not but, they will by no means follow a stranger. Why? Because they don't know the voice of a stranger. We teach that to our children. Don't follow somebody who you do not know. Do not go with them. Don't even talk to them. Well, God puts that in his children. Do not. That's a stranger. That, that's someone else. You do not follow this man or this woman. You follow me. And we know that like sheep. Remember, they don't have a good per, uh, depth perception, but they can see very well. And so for us, sometimes we don't have that good depth perception. We don't realize in a situation, this really isn't this good for me to back away from it. And that's where we get in trouble. That's why we need a shepherd. Our shepherd is God, right? But God also placed shepherds here on this earth in the form of a pastor. And that pastor if he is a good shepherd, is going to lead you in the same way that we're talking about today. Not uh, to give you what you necessarily want, 
but what God would have you have because what Scripture says. So we have some new terms today, right? We saw some terms last week. We're going to look at the flip side today, and we see the terms thief, robber, stranger, and hireling. And we're going to look at those things because we're looking at the flip side, right? Now, to understand, this is talking about counterfeits, false teachers, people who don't rightly produce the Word of God. They take it out of context. They don't give it to you the way that it is meant to be from Scripture. This is exactly what it means. Though it's talking about these uh, thief, robber, stranger, that's what the Bible is alluding to, a false teacher. And not saying it in haughtiness, there is a lot of them out there. There's many of them, and we have to be where that's why we have to know the voice of God. So we recognize the voice of a stranger and say, I have no part of it. And we do what? We flee away from it. So a thief, okay, it talks about a thief. All who climb up a different way, they're what? They're thieves and they're robbers. By thief, this is meaning an embezzler or a pilferer. Now, when somebody embezzles, what they do is there's a certain organization. Sometimes it's a person's own company. And what they do is they take certain funds and they embezzle them for their own personal use. A lot of business owners do that. They embezzle money or organizations, maybe a nonprofit, and they'll embezzle money. But it's, all, it's for themselves. They're taking from someone else and it's all for themselves. A pilfer is one who steals without any violence. So this is a sneaky person. This is the person that'll walk into a convenience store and grab a pack of whatever, put it in their pocket, and nobody's actually going to notice. There's no violence, and he steals it. But what's it for? It's for themselves, so that they can either use it or sell it, but it's for themselves. It's not for anybody else. So this speaks of those who do not care to instruct men, but rather they abuse their confidence for personal gain. Okay, this is important. It's these, it's those who do not care to instruct men. They don't care to tell you the truth, what you shouldn't do, what you should do, what's right in the eyes of God. They don't care to tell you that. But instead, the confidence that people put upon the person, they want to use it instead for personal gain. What's good for me? It's a form of embezzling. The organization is the church and who does it belong to? God. But we use it for personal gain or the person, right? The person who is being the embezzler. And then turning to 1 Peter chapter 4, this is important because we see uh, this word here. But in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15. Okay, so the Apostle Peter is writing a letter, and this letter is talking about their suffering. And he's saying, God's going to comfort you, but don't let this suffering go by in vain but use it for God's glory. Give God the glory. But he says in um, verse 15, 1 Peter 4, verse 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. 
Okay, so don't suffer in a way where it, it's, it's going to attract attention to you. Oh, poor him, poor her. But do it in a way where God is going to get the glory if you're suffering as a Christian. Right. Don't feel sorry for me. Yes, you can pray for me, but I'm OK. I'll be OK. Why? Because God is on my side. And in first Peter, chapter five, verse one. Peter writing about the shepherd of the flock says the elders who are among you, I exhort elders. They're like pastors. They're like shepherds. They are the elders of the church. I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. So this is the warning that he gives to them. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Okay, don't try to put it on the sheep. Don't lord it over them. You're not uh, to be mastering over them, but you are to be shepherding. You're supposed to be caring for them. You're supposed to be uh, having their concern um, and their interest in mind. The robber. A thief and a robber. They're a thief and a robber. Robber means plunderer. What a plunderer does is a plunderer steals goods. And they typically use force in a time of war or civil discord. Pretty much what it means taking advantage. Okay. These are, uh, to not find a better example, but a quick one. These guys on TV who lay down a really good word that is going to just like prick your heart and, and make you feel like, oh, uh, man, I, I really got their attention. And OK, toward the end, yes, I'm with you. I'm following you. OK, now the Lord says there's 10 people that are going to sow a thousand dollars. So if this is you, I need you like this fast to get to the phone and call in and give that money. This is the plunder. Right. And, and, and uh, they're taking advantage of people. Maybe some of us have been taken advantage of and I'm not ashamed to say that I was one of them not one time but two times when I was extremely young in the Lord but that's how much I wanted to follow after God that I didn't want money back but I wanted spiritual gain God give me more knowledge I just want you more that I'm willing to give and bam a thousand dollars and then here about a month later bam another thousand dollars I didn't see it back then but I will tell you that God saw my heart and God repaid me. God gave me that spiritual blessing that I was seeking after because he saw that my heart wasn't looking for material gain for myself, but it was seeking after that spiritual gain. So God always looks at the heart. But this plunder, remember the children of Israel, when they were released out of Egypt, they were already leaving and they started to plunder the Egyptians. They started saying, well, since I'm on my way out, give me this gold and give me this silver and, and I'll take that too while they're running out the door. They were plundering. That's what they do. They take advantage. And it's in a time of war or discord. That's what the enemy does with us. He takes advantage of us when we're going through spiritual warfare. When there is civil unrest inside of our souls, he takes advantage. And we begin to desperately make decisions that we should not be doing in our life. Matthew chapter 21 
Verse 13, Jesus said, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it what? A den of thieves. This is the same thing that was going on here. He's talking to the Jews. He's talking to the Pharisees. He was mad because they were using it for personal gain. They had their money table set up. They were doing business as usual right in the temple. And Jesus wasn't having it. He wasn't happy. As a matter of fact, one of the gospels says that he sat there and he made a whip of cords. So it took him a while. He had time to think about it. He made this whip and he drove them out. Right. Talk about an ekbalo. He drove them out. And he said, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you Jews, you who think you have it all together, you've made it a den of thieves. This is the same thief and robber type that we're talking about right here. And it goes on in a lot of other ways in today's churches. And we see the word stranger. He's talking about stranger as well. Stranger basically means another, somebody else. Somebody who uh, is not related. We all know strangers. But in all four Gospels, they talk about this one person. And I've mentioned it before. The, the man named Barabbas. Remember we talked about it? Barabbas, Bar meaning son of. Abbas meaning father. So it's like, wait a minute. You have Jesus, who is the son of the father, capital F. And then we have Barabbas, whose name is Son of the Father. Wait a minute. They look the same. But the Bible says that one of them was a thief and a robber. The other one is the Savior of the world. We see that today. Paul talked about another Jesus. They said if they're not preaching the real Jesus, the only Jesus, because there is another Jesus, then that's the one that is a thief. And it is a robber. In Matthew 27, they say of Barabbas like this, that he was a notorious prisoner. This is Barabbas. This is the other Jesus. The other Jesus that can't take you out of bondage, that can't get people free from drugs, that can't get people free from depression. Why? Because he's a fake counterfeit Jesus. He's not the real Jesus. That's not the way to do it. In Mark chapter 15, they call him like this. It says that he was chained with fellow rebels. Who, who has, who committed murder and rebellion along with him. So he was chained to him. In Luke chapter 23, it says of Barabbas, um, free Barabbas to us. Forget Jesus. Do away with him, but give us Barabbas. Freely give him for our own indulgence. And that's what people say today to this other Jesus. Give us that other Jesus because we want to indulge. We want to be able to continue to live in fornication. We want to continue to live in homosexuality, but yet we still have Jesus, the son of the father, and he's on our side. Or we want to continue to just be ugly and unforgiving. But it's this Jesus that can never really set us free. And in John chapter 18, they call him exactly what he was, a robber. This stranger belongs to another. Remember John, when we're in John chapter 5, John chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus talking to the Jews, he said, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. But yet if another comes in his own name, him you will receive. This is Barabbas. He comes in his own name. You receive him, but you don't receive me. And I do as I see the father do. This is that other one. And we get to the word hireling. Hireling means what it says. It's somebody who's hired. 
The best example that we can get to understand from a hireling and a shepherd. If any of you have ever volunteered somewhere, when you volunteer, you're doing it out of your heart. I volunteered for home hospice for three years. I did it out of my heart. They didn't pay me a penny. But if you ever look at a volunteer and you ever look at an employee, the volunteer is going to put their heart in it because that's where it's coming from. But the employee is doing it for wages. Will you work more hours? Oh, absolutely. Why? Because I'm going to get paid time and a half. But the volunteer says, yeah, I'll work overtime if you need me. Uh, They're not getting nothing. They're doing it from their heart. So a hireling, what they're saying is someone who's working to get something. They're a wage worker. They're trying to do it for profit. And today there is a lot of people who stand up here. There is a lot of people who play up here. There is a lot of people who do certain things and they're doing it for profit. Because now uh, they're considered what one would call staff. And now it's just all about, well, what the world would say. It's all about the Benjamins. It's not about people's souls. Okay, that is a hireling. That's what he's talking about. And there's another word that's there that's mentioned and it talks about the wolf. Now, we all know that a wolf is an enemy. But the symbolism there is the one, the enemy, the person, the one who is cruel and greedy and destructive to men. Okay, this is the wolf. And he says in verse 12 of chapter 10, but a hireling. He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. It's pretty sad. That's what the hireling does. I don't care about those sheep. I don't care what's happening in their life. I see problems. I see trouble coming. I'm gone. Okay. It says he sees the sheep. This word is actually where we get our word for theater. It means that he just sits there and he watches like a movie, stands by as a spectator and does nothing. Have you ever seen those people when there's an emergency and people that just stand by? There was a car wreck, somebody's bleeding, screaming for help, and people just stand there and look and do nothing. Or maybe you see them on Facebook, right? Somebody's getting the pulp beat out of them. But instead of somebody going to help, they're just recording. Okay. This is the same thing that this hireling does. The flock, the enemy's having his way in their lives and they're just sitting by watching. He leaves the sheep. What it means is that he omits, he neglects the sheep. He sends them away. This actually word is the same same word that they use for divorce. He puts them away. He bids them to go and he flees. Why? Because he seeks his own safety. He don't care about the others. He cares about himself. And what does the wolf do? It catches And scatters them. To catch them means to claim for oneself by snatching. That's what the enemy does. He he snatches them. Okay, but remember this, because next week we're going to read about this in verse 29 of John chapter 10. Because Jesus said, those that are my sheep, no man will snatch them out of my hand. See, these are the truths of scripture that we have to grab onto and know. Devil, you're, you're, you're wrong. I'm a son or daughter of God. You can't snatch me out of his hand. But when we don't belong to God, that's what he does. He catches the enemy and scatters. He catches us. He snatches us out of the hand. And he, he stricks us with terror. 
through the penetration of our mind with fear. We've all experienced fear. This I know. Whether young or old or, or, or male or female, we have experienced fear. And the more that it strikes us, the more that we become fearful. Oh, uh, what if I have this kind of illness? What if I have this kind of disease? Oh, what if something happens to my children? Oh, what if I lose this job? How am I going to maintain? So many fears. And he starts to, and what it does is it scatters us. And when we're scattered, we're no longer near God. But we remember that as God's sheep, nobody can cause us to scatter. They can try, but they cannot. They cannot snatch us away. Okay? The Bible says that no weapon formed against us shall what? Right. But does the Bible ever say that you're never going to feel that weapon? It never says that. So we will feel that weapon. And sometimes that weapon is going to feel very heavy, very severe. But the promise is no matter how you feel it, the promise is it will not prosper for those who belong to God. So what does the hireling do? He flees because there is no true concern or interest in the sheep. He has no regard for them. None what. So ever. And so Jesus says, the thief comes, what? To kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I have come for what? That they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. Okay, this doesn't necessarily mean the, the, the material things. We always talk about that. I probably sound like a broken record, right? The psalmist, Psalm 23, my cup runneth over. This doesn't mean it's running over with money and running over with the, with, with, with the uh, Air Jordans and, and all the nice cars and everything, but it runs over with what? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, complacency. I'm good. I don't need nothing else. That's what our cup runs over with. That's the abundant life that God gives, gives to us. Oh, yes, it's good to want things and to seek after them if we can get them, right? But if we can't, no big deal. Because my... God is sufficient for me, right? God is sufficient for all of us in every situation. But the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He takes away secretly. He takes away through the idea of rushing. That's really important because when we talk about God, when we sing about God, we sing a worship song that says, I will wait for you, right? What's the opposite of waiting? Rushing. I gotta hurry and marry this guy. I gotta hurry and marry this girl. I gotta hurry and take this job. Or I gotta hurry and get out of here. Or I gotta hurry and give this person a piece of my mind. It's that rushing and the enemy gets us to, we bite the bait that he's setting before us. It's through the idea of rushing. And basically to destroy us, to put us out of the way entirely. You remember the parable of the, of the seed sower? There's four grounds. Remember the first one received the word of God quickly with joy. But that quick, the enemy came and what? Snatched it up. This is what's happening here. That's what the enemy wants to do. The other one fell on the rocky uh, side and it didn't have no root in itself. So it, the sun came out, withered away. That's it. It torched it. Then the other one grew up on ground, but it grew where there was weeds and tares and the weeds, which are the cares of this world, began to choke it out. Right. Again, the money, all these things that, that happen in life and it began to choke it out. But then there was the good ground. 
And the Bible says that that one produced 30, 60, 100 fold. It produced good fruit. That's the abundant life that God talks about. Now, none of this, it's, it's not done openly and plainly. And this is something that I would, I would hope that we all understand this morning. Because there's many out there, whether they're talking about the uh, name it and claim it, the faith gospel, right? Uh, you believe it and you receive it. If two of you touch on anything and agree, it shall be done for you here on this earth. Whether you're talking about dominion theology, which talks about that you, as a, as a man or woman of God, you have dominion right now on this earth. It's, it's, not, it's not a biblical doctrine. It's not something that God is teaching us. But they're doing it for personal gain. Or whether they're talking about uh, other, there, there's so many denominations out there and so many other teachings that are not of God and they sound right. And one thing that we have to understand that a false teacher will say many things that are very correct, but it will also say things that are very incorrect. And if we're not aware, then we're going to be deceived and we're going to bite into it. How do we know? Well, look at all the people that are in Mormonism. Look at all the people that are in Jehovah's Witness. They sound close, but close is not good. We have to be right on the money with God. We have to hear his voice. We have to know him. This is the only God. It's not Michael the archangel. It's not Satan's spirit brother. This is Jesus Christ, the savior of the world. This is what he says. This is what he doesn't say. And when we hear those kinds of teachings that say, oh, just name it and claim it. Or, oh, you got coronavirus. You're healed in the name of Jesus already. That's not how it works. How are we going to develop a spiritual, a powerful prayer life if we just say you're healed in the name of Jesus when a person has cancer? And if it's true, then why are people still dying of cancer? How come these people aren't saying you're healed and they're healed? Why? Why do we still have the coronavirus if it's that easy? Because it's not that easy. But it's through that strife. It's through that suffering that, that Peter's saying, do it for God's glory, suffer as a Christian, that produces a powerful prayer life, that prays uh, big prayers, powerful prayers, that demonstrate our faith to God, that at the end say, God, this is what I want, but not my will, Lord, your will be done. And if that means me taking my last breath, Father, I'm going to trust you all the way, even when the sweat of death rolls in front of my brow. I'm going to trust you, God. Can we do that this morning? It's hard prayers to pray. I've been in that position. But when we belong to God, he gives us the grace to be able to pray in that manner. So this morning, it's not, why do you listen to him? But I turn around and say, why do we listen to them? Because look at their churches. All these, 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 these ones that are preaching the gospel that's not necessarily the true one. Oh, they're packed. The ministers have jets. They got three-piece suits and live in, in, in multi-million dollar mansions. People are believing them. Why do we listen to them? Because sometimes we come to Christ with a carnal mindset and we want what's going to benefit us. But as a matter of fact, the Bible tells us to set our mind, Colossians 3, right, on heavenly things, not on the things of the earth. Why? For you have died and your life is hid with Christ in God. We have died to the carnal man and now it's a new creation, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, the new person in Christ who is to be alive. 
That's the growth. Because the person who's alive, the person who's baptized in God's spirit, listen to me this morning. We want to read his word and we get so captivated with his word that we cannot put this thing down. Because this is living, it's active, right? It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Hold on, give me a second, right? Not the telephone, because that's what a lot of people do today. They call you, well, well hold on, because I'm scrolling, right? I'm doing the thumb thing. But what about when we open this and say, give me a second, because I, I just, I can't put this down. And if we do, we come right back to it. That is the person who is alive. That is the person who is a true sheep of God. And that is something that we have to understand, because if you're not hungry for this, then you might not be a sheep. And we talked about what looks similar, and that's what the Bible calls a goat. A goat looks like a sheep. They have a lot of similarities, but goats are known for being rebellious. Why do we listen to them? Why do we listen to others? Because the Apostle James said it's because of your own selfish desires and ambitions that cause you to go the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. And right before we close, I'm going to go to chapter 34 of Ezekiel, because this is important too. Chapter 34 Try to look up sermons on chapter 34. You're not going to find very many of them. Not very many people open up to Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34, God is giving a rebuke to the irresponsible shepherds, the irresponsible people that are supposed to be leading God's people. But right before that, I'm going to read in Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33 uh, God is talking to Ezekiel, son of man, the prophet, right? He was the mouthpiece of God. God spoke to Ezekiel. Ezekiel relayed the message to people. In chapter 33, verse 31, it says, well, actually, I'm going to go to verse 30. It says, as for you, son of man, the children of your people, get this, this word, the children of your people, God saying, not my children, the children of your people, are talking about you beside the walls and in the doors of the houses, and they speak to one another, everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. Okay, so these people are saying, man, praise God, this guy preaches good, he's got a good word, but it's all coming from right here, it's not coming from right here. And verse 31 says, so they come to you as my people, as, as people do, Okay, they come to you as people. Again, not my people. They come to you as regular people do. They sit before you as my people. Okay, so now they're playing the part. I come as a person, but I'm going to sit as a Christian. Does it look familiar? In churches, people come as people, but they sit as Christians, and then they leave to go back to be people. They hear your words, but they do not do them. Okay, they hear. They don't listen. They hear your words. They do not do them. For with their mouth, they show a lot of love. Oh, praise God. They got the wording down, the Christian language. They got it down. But their hearts pursue what? Their own gain. It's not for God. It is for themselves. Verse 32 says, Indeed, you are to them a, as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice, and can play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. See, that's the danger of not taking this seriously. We can go into church, and we can even go into a very biblically sound church, 
But if we're not opening up our heart and asking God to broaden it, we can be hearing the truth and basically uh, we hear it and we can agree and say, amen, hallelujah, praise God. But we don't do none of it. That's what the prophet is saying or God is telling the prophet. And when this comes to pass, surely it will come. Then they will know that a prophet has been among them. Now, verse 34 or chapter 34, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds. Okay? Woe to you. I feel sorry for you, in other words. Woe to you, the shepherds of Israel, who feed the flock, who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Yeah, that's what we talked about earlier. Verse 3, you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Again, feeding this flock, feeding the flock for us means giving the authentic, pure, unadulterated, unchanged word of God. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. Remember that force, that cruelty, the plunder. You haven't cared for the sheep. When they're hurting, you don't come alongside them. You don't pray with them. You don't follow up with them. You don't care for them. If you see them in error, you don't tell them the truth and say, look, don't go that way and explain it to them. But you're only looking out for yourself. The ones who strayed away, you don't go out and look for them. Remember the sheep last week that we talked about? Verse 5, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. This is talking about the people of Israel. That was his sheep at that time. They were scattered. The diaspora, the, 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 the enemies came and took over them. None of the shepherds were trying to get them all back. All these false prophets, none of them was trying to go out and say, come back, come back to God. Ezekiel was, Jeremiah was, right? Isaiah was, and all the minor prophets, but nobody else was. Verse 7 says, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 10, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall flock themselves no more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. I'm going to rescue them from these irresponsible shepherds who shouldn't. Now, in, in chapter 10, we read, he said, I have sheep that are not of this flock. And I'm going to get them too. It's talking about the Gentiles. Yes, the Israelites. Now I have some that are of the Gentiles and I'm going to make them one. Right? I'm going to make them one flock. And he's rebuking them. But in verse 
in verse 11, he says, me, God, the true shepherd, the way we started out in the first part of John chapter 10. Verse 11 says, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. You don't want to do it. You don't want to be a good shepherd. I'll seek them out for myself. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloud and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys and in all inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture and their fold will be on the high mountains of Israel. There, there they shall lie down in good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick, but I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. And as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep and between rams and goats. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats, the real from the fake. Okay? But for those who are in Christ, there's no worry. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that we're without error and without mistake. We just sing the song, right? Come thou fount, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God that I love. We're prone to do that. We're prone to leave. We're prone to stray away. But God says, I leave the 99 to go after that one. And I follow after them because they belong to me. And he says, of those, I have not lost one of them. Save Judas Iscariot, which was a, a, a devil from the beginning. So understanding all of that this morning, now we know that the, the good shepherd, the people who are supposed to be true, and we ask ourselves, why do we listen to them? We, we may not listen to them. Maybe we do. That's why we have to know who are we listening to. That's why it's critical to understand the Bible, to understand doctrine. How do we apply this scripture? No, 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 that's wrong. Over there, what they're teaching is wrong. This over here is wrong. And it doesn't mean that we have to be sin sniffers per se and say, oh, no, y'all are wrong. Uh, you know, you, you're teaching the wrong thing. No. But when we observe it, we just back away from it. We flee from it. And of course, Given the proper opportunity under the Spirit of God, we talk to a person and come alongside and say, you realize that's wrong? To people who are operating uh, in a manner that they shouldn't, like the person who's deceived that says, oh yeah, you can, you can, uh, you can smoke weed and, 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 and be a Christian. No, that's not the way God's designed the whole thing. Or the person, again, and, and, and I talk about this a lot, but it's just the truth. The person who says, oh, I, I'm a woman, I can love another woman. And, and, and God, God loves me because he loves us. No, no. And we got to come alongside them, though. We can't just say, oh, you're, you're wrong. You're going to hell. We can't call them all these um, vulgar names that, that preachers do on the street corner. But we got to come alongside and say, hey, you want to go and, and, and let's sit down and talk about this because that's not the right way. A woman cannot be with a woman and a man cannot be with a man. It goes Completely contrary to scripture. Now, if you want to believe that, then guess what? You want this other Jesus. 
not the true savior of the world. You want the imposter, you want the robber, you want the thief, you want the liar, you want the one that's a rebel, not the one who is true and he is good. And when we understand all those things, our life begins to be better now. We can lie down in these green pastures and boy, we rest. We lie down, we, we're by the still waters and we're not thirsty anymore. We don't thirst because we've drank of the everlasting water that Jesus Christ has to give. One more thing about these sheeps. When they fall on their backs, uh, this is pretty, uh, pretty amazing. I still don't understand it. But when a sheep falls flatly on its back and all fours are off the ground, they can't get up. They can't get, they can't get back up. And if there is no shepherd to help them get back up on their feet, they will find their death there. And for us as sheep, we need to, because sometimes we do stumble and we need to stay close to God that he would be the good shepherd that he is. Come alongside us, put us back up on our feet. And the psalmist said, you who uh, took my feet out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a solid rock. And for that, we give God all the praise and all the glory. We ask you, Lord, to, to be that shepherd in our lives. Or more so, God, that we would allow you to be that shepherd in our lives, God. Father, we desire to be sheep. We don't desire to be found as a goat or a ram. God, we know that when we belong to you, that no one can snatch us out of our hands. Oh, the enemy's going to come in different forms and fashions, and he's not going to make an announcement. He's not going to show up with a pitchfork. He's not going to show up in a red cape or with horns. He's not even going to show up breathing fire, but he's going to show up as a beautiful man, a beautiful woman, a person who speaks eloquent, eloquent words, a person who has a lot of flattery, and he tricks us and he deceives us. God, we pray for your wisdom this morning. Not so that we can point fingers at other people and say, thank God that I'm not like them. But so that we can go and somehow, Lord, try to lead them in the right direction. Try to shed light upon it, God. But in order to do all of that, we need your spirit because in and of ourselves, we can do nothing. But it is you who does all things, God. You use us as vessels. So we just plead with you this morning. The true shepherd, the good shepherd. God, we don't desire to be hirelings. We don't desire to be affiliated with thieves or robbers or no one who plunders. And we would never want to do that ourselves. But God, we want to, we want you to cause us to lay down in green pastures. We want you to lead us beside still waters. And we want to be the ones that say, surely goodness, surely mercy shall follow us all the rest of the days of our life.